May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. These are the words of St. Paul from Romans chapter 12, verse 1, that we heard read in our epistle lesson this morning. And following on the heels of the epistle lesson, we then witnessed in our gospel reading how our own Savior stands as the emblem of such an exhortation. We're told in Luke chapter 2 that Jesus had come to the temple with the Holy Family for the Feast of Passover. It was a feast that they came to every year. Every year they would spend days traveling to and from and staying in Jerusalem. And Jesus knew the routine. And in this particular year, he was 12 years old. After the feast was over and the family began to make the multiple day trek home again, Jesus tarries behind and he's found in the temple. And we're told that Mary and Joseph come anxiously looking for him. And as I read and reread this passage in the past couple of days, I was drawn to the idea of what it was I was reading. Or better yet, to the idea of who told this. Luke is the gospel writer. And he's the only one who records this particular event. And it is sure that Luke wasn't in Jerusalem that particular year to have witnessed it himself. So where did Mark, or excuse me, where did Luke get the details of this story? From an eyewitness? Perhaps. But most likely from the Holy Mother herself. The scriptures tell us that Mary pondered all these things in her heart. And here we see these treasures unfolded in her own view of it all. So as I reread it again after thinking about that, I had a, a new appreciation for this story. And actually for all of the nativity stories that are recorded. For I can picture Mary doing something that we all do with our own children and with our family stories. I can see Mary herself years later as she reaches back into her treasured memories. Sitting, perhaps laughing, perhaps crying, telling St. Luke and the other apostles and disciples all the stories of these early events. In the life of Jesus. The angels appearing. Her cousin Elizabeth being pregnant with John the Baptist. Anna and Simeon at the temple. Their flight into Egypt. And even the story that we heard today. Jesus staying behind in Jerusalem at the age of 12. And it's told from a mother's perspective. It's told with the care of a mother. It's told with the emotional reaction of a terrified mother. Where were you? What were you thinking? How could you do this to your father and I? We were worried sick about you. All the while, holding and hugging him tight, with tears streaming down her face. And even Jesus' answer seems to come from a place of a mother's perspective. It almost seems like a half-flippant type of answer that Jesus gives Mary which any mother of a tween will attribute to their child. And of course, as a father myself who has a different perspective on things than my wife does, 
I wonder if Joseph had been around to recount this story to St. Luke, what his perception would have been. I mean, we're never going to know that, but it makes me wonder what he would have said. Anyways, we're not told for sure, but it's very probable that this story comes from Mary herself. And as Luke hears it from the source herself, he's amazed at Jesus' answer and perspective that he has on his life, even at the age of 12. He is amazed, so much so that he includes it in his written gospel account. Notice that there are no other stories about Jesus included. No other gospel writer, even St. Luke himself, includes any other stories between Jesus' birth and when Jesus is 30 years old. I mean, there's certainly extra-biblical stories. There's all sorts of stories about Jesus' childhood out there. But none are included in the four universally accepted canonical Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Yet Luke includes this story. And I believe it's Jesus' response to Mary that strikes Luke in the heart and in his soul and in his mind. Don't you know that I should be about my father's business? Now some have another translation like, don't you know that I should be in my father's house? But either way, the intent is the same. And does that question pierce us as it did St. Luke? That our life is to be centered around our Heavenly Father's business. That our life is to be centered in our Father's house. That our life is to be, as St. Paul says in our epistle, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord. Furthermore, that it's such as to be an entirety of one's life and not just a moment in one's life. What we discover in the scripture is not a case of Jesus deciding at some point in his life, oh, okay, I'll start focusing on my heavenly father now. I mean, many approach a relationship with God that way. Many perceive it that way. Many will say, after I achieve my goals, then I'll make time for God. Or many will say, after I finish my schooling, or after I ascend the corporate ladder, or after I achieve a certain level of success. Then I'll focus on God. Many will say, after I get married, or after I have children, or after I get my life structured the way that I want it, then I'll really grow in my relationship with the Lord. And many will also say, after I sow my oats, after I have my fun in life, after I satisfy the impulses of my immaturity, then I'll return and I'll get right with God. Sort of a prodigal son mentality. But this is not so with Christ. Christ's life was not compartmentalized. I mean, we may have that picture from the Gospels, since we jump from Jesus as an infant to Jesus at 12 to Jesus at 30. But notice how at every point, whether it starts with his earthly parents bringing him to the temple to be circumcised at eight days according to the law, or whether it's Jesus remaining in the temple at 12 years old, or whether it's Jesus submitting to John's baptism at the age of 30, or whether it's Jesus laying down his life upon the cross of Calvary, at every step of the way, Jesus submits himself to his heavenly Father. 
Jesus lived in in according to his Father's will and took pleasure in being well-pleasing to him. He was about his Father's business. And that's what St. Paul desires for us. Therefore, present yourselves a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him. And Paul goes further to add to that exhortation, and he says, which is your reasonable service. Why? Because of what God has done for us. It is our reasonable service to respond to God's grace and God's working and God's provision in our lives. First, in in giving us the very breath of life. Second, in saving us from our sins through the work of Jesus Christ. Third, for guiding and providing and sanctifying us day by day. And finally, for our eternal hope and promise of what shall be. Ought we not to respond to that? Ought we not to respond to that, not only with our songs of thankfulness and praise and worship, but with a return of ourselves to him and for him? Ought not our lives to be centered in him and in his will for us? Ought we not to have a wholehearted commitment to the Lord, to being his disciples, committed to him in our life, committed to his church, committed to his people, just as our Savior was? Presenting yourself acceptable unto the Lord is a a way of life that says, in every walk, In every decision, in every choice, in every situation, in every opportunity presented to me, I will seek to honor the Lord and express his greatness to and through me. I will honor the Lord with the way I treat my spouse. I will honor the Lord in the way I raise my children. I will honor the Lord in the way that I apply myself at work. I will honor the Lord in how I can help meet the needs of those near me. I will honor the Lord in the way that I will ask for forgiveness when I am wrong. And yet I will honor the Lord in the way that I will forgive those who have sinned against me. I will honor the Lord in the way that I care for everything that he has given me. I will honor the Lord in the way that I uplift and encourage others in the Lord. I will honor the Lord in the integrity of my word. I will honor the Lord with my earthly treasures. I will honor the Lord with my trust, even In the darkest of times. And I could go on. But I believe I don't need to. Most weeks at the offertory I quote one of Jesus' sayings from the Sermon on the Mount. And therein Jesus says, let your light so shine among men. For what purpose does Jesus say to let your light shine? He continues, so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. In other words, we are to let the light of Christ that has shone in us radiate out in every way such that through our actions, through our words, through our encouragements, the glory of the Lord might be made known unto all men. Friends, that's how we honor the Lord. That is our reasonable sacrifice unto the Lord. That is being about our Father's business, to let the Lord shine in us And through us for his glory. Honor the Lord in all your ways. And seek to do what is well pleasing unto him. I beseech you therefore brethren. By the mercies of God. That you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy acceptable unto God. Which is your reasonable service. Did you not know. That I must be about my father's business. 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.